Hey mama, and welcome to the Restful Mama podcast. I'm so glad you're here. I'm Dakota, homeschool mama of four, including twins, Marine Corps veteran wife, small business owner, and firefighter wife. I love Jesus, tea, and all things holistic. You'll find anything from meal plan ideas to health tips to good old-fashioned mom hacks here. So get cozy, grab your favorite drink, and let's get started. Hey y'all, welcome to episode three. I am so excited to be hanging out with y'all today. Um, And also, this episode just came at the perfect timing. Wes has been gone on crazy shifts this week. So what better time to talk about this topic than when we're in the thick of it. So we're going to hang out and talk with my friend Amanda, who by the way, is another twin mom. So we've got a theme going on here (laughs) in this podcast. Um, And we're just going to dive into the nitty gritty of what it's like to be a first responder wife, what it's like to have kids in this lifestyle and how it affects the marriage and family and all of the things. And we're just gonna, we're gonna be raw and real. And y'all, this is not scripted. This is (laughs) real life. So you never know what you're gonna find. Um, But I just wanted to share our stories and hopefully y'all can connect with this. And um, even if you don't have a spouse who's in the first responder world, this can apply to so many things, military, or just if your husband travels a lot with his job, um, or if you're even just a single mama, because a lot of this can can transfer over to that as well. So uh, I'm excited to get into it and uh, let's dive in. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. Oh, I'm so excited that we're doing this. We've been talking about it for a while. We finally are doing it. Finally. (laughs) Finally. Mom life. (laughs) I'm no kidding. Okay, so before we really get into it, though, um, I just want you to just give like the listeners a little background of like who you are, your story, what you got going on. Yeah. um, So I'm Amanda. I'm 32. Uh, My husband and I are actually high school sweethearts. Um, so I guess I love that. Yeah. So (laughs) we've been over half our lives. We've been together. I did the math on it recently and I was like, Oh, I reached the halfway point. That's Um, so funny. It's, it's a wild ride to have been with someone for that long because you grow so much in those formative times. So, right. Um, yeah, he's been in law enforcement for, about 10 years because he graduated his academy like two months before we got married. And um, we have five-year-old twins, Ellie and Oliver. Um, Twin life. (laughs) Yes. And that is, that is our meet cute that we will get to, but um, yes, yes. we, um, they're pretty much like my whole life because of law enforcement lifestyle sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. I am the stay-at-home mom and, you know, some days you love it beyond belief. And some days you're like, I cannot believe I'm stuck home with these children again. So, Amen. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> we really just try to keep, you know, we've been trying to find a lot of calm in our lives um, the past few years. So mm-hmm. we're really seeking that out I'd say in our lifestyle and on a personal level so like in talking about myself I um I come back to that and all the things that 
really define me right now are sort of based around that. Like I'm not out trying to do, you know, five jobs and, you know, right. 10 million new things, but I'm just trying to find that, that calm and that rest in life and that joy, you know, that you really right. want to focus on. So, um, cooking, working out therapy. I love therapy. <laughs> if you haven't been to go, <laughs> um, just shout out for anyone. Um, and just quality family time. Um, and these kids head to kindergarten in a couple weeks. So we, um, I will get a little bit more time to myself to really kind of redefine myself in a new phase of motherhood. Yeah. Like, who am I? So, yeah. <laughs> right. Well, and that's crazy to me because, like, speaking of the meet cute, like, it was, it, like, forever ago, it felt like, when we when we met. And I just remember your twins being so little. Uh-huh. And m- mine were little. And... I, do, do you even remember what year it was? I It's like all a blur to me because okay. I remember pushing my triple stroller yes. <laughs> with Cooper as a baby. Uh-huh. And like this is, y'all, this is how we met literally on the corner <laughs> of a street in a shopping center. Yeah. And it was like that twin mom like locked eyes thing. Yeah. I was just like, oh my gosh, it's my yes. person. There's somebody who understands me. Like, this is cannot be real life. Like, it was, it was just a literally like a Hallmark moment. But for oh, it friends, was. Like, it and was- I was like bowing down to you that you had <laughs> two that were like, what year were your twins born? So mine are 2017. And what year are yours? 2016. Okay. So, so yours had to be, you know, like one ish, one in some change. And yeah. Um, and I saw you with that triple stroller and I was like, Okay, huh? Who is this queen that <laughs> literally has another one? And I was so desperate for connection. Like in those early yes. twin years, mine were probably, mine had to have been under a year still. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was 2017, like I said, it 2018. Was, yeah, it was all a blur. I think it was like, Cooper was like just born. I think he was like baby, baby. Yeah. And like just old enough to where I could like get away with putting him yeah. in the umbrella style <laughs> stroller. And I remember like rolling up blankets yeah, like stuff on the side of him. Cause I'm like, he is way too small for this thing, but we're going to roll with it because you like, all what I, got. I gotta like, do. <laughs> this is what I gotta do. Um, and that thing was massive. Cause it was like a three <laughs> by three, like, it like umbrella stroller. Wasn't um, it red it was, too? I feel like it, it was, was red. Right. Red. Why it do I remember that? Red. <laughs> It was like fire truck. Like, look at me. I have the clown. I'm the, you know, circus is in town. Like, oh my gosh. It was, but it oh, was just so funny. It is. It's like that, like Mockingjay's, you know, twin call. You lock yeah. eyes and you're just like, can we be friends? I swear I probably said that to you. Can we be friends? Yeah. No. I mean, and it's so funny because like Wes is sitting or he's like standing next to me like, oh, here she goes again. Like she found somebody else that has twins. We're going to be here for an hour. And it's just funny because we ended up finding each other on social media and then like ever since I've been keeping in touch and it's just it's just wild how it all came full circle but yeah y'all there's our hallmark uh meet cute (laughs) I love it it's the best when I when Zach asked me he's like wait who are you talking to and I'm like remember when I met her at the mall that one time (laughs) yeah (laughs) remember yeah and it's funny because we were visiting family in Temecula and um we don't go to California very often but that's where his parents live and or they have a summer house there and so Mm -hmm. like we were there visiting 
And we were just like, we like to explore when we're there. So like, we might go to wine country, we might go to San Diego, like we just kind of like venture out in the like Southern California region when we go down to visit his family. Yeah. And like, what are the odds that of all of the places in Southern California, we just meet (laughs) cross paths in this little shopping center? Yeah. Meant to be. Yeah, I know. So funny. Um, But yeah, so let's just dive into the whole reason why we're here, right? Like first responder life. So yes. um, what is your husband's schedule? Okay. So he's law enforcement. If I didn't like make that clear before, um, I'm not going right. to say where um, we already talked about that because of safety right. reasons and things like that. Absolutely. But yep. um, he just switched a week ago. So they switch every six months. Most departments do that. He's been with two departments. Um mm-hmm. So right now he is nights. They'll call it graveyard. I really don't like calling it graveyard because I'm like, I don't want to say grave, right? You know, like right. I don't want right. to think and like that. In this in this yes. line of work, right? Yes. <laughs> so I'm like nights. Um, so yeah, he right now he's Sunday, Monday, Tuesday nights, every other Wednesday night from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. So they're 12 hour shifts, but quite frankly, <laughs> I'm telling you that's his schedule schedule. But when I look at the calendar, Last week, this coming week, the week after, there is nothing consistent about it between getting held over, um, trainings, court, right. um, all of the additional um, positions that they might hold. So, yes, he has a schedule, but <laughs> we are like, okay, dad will be home for this six-hour chunk. Um, then he has to go back out for this thing or he has to take um, you know, that training and be there that day. Right. So like I said, a schedule, but not really a, a hard schedule. <laughs> yeah. And, and for background, so you have the law enforcement experience and then we are a firefighting family. So it is, it is so similar, but also so different. So you were saying yeah. that every six months they switch from days to nights. Well, they just switch around like schedules. So um, mm. They can stay on the same one, but it might, for him, he just doesn't have enough seniority. So, um, right. and they pick like in order and um, because he moved departments like two-ish years ago. So that really, like he built up eight years at the other. So he might've gotten the good right. schedules, but there was a trade-off in time and happiness and things like that. So um, right. they, yeah, they can be on like the first half of the week, the second half of the week, days, nights, swing, just depends on where, right. whatever that department has going on. Well, and I kind of joke that first responders, quote unquote, schedules are more like guidelines. Like this is, <laughs> that's a good this is where it's it. supposed to be because even in fire, like for us, it's the same, you know, he works typically 48 hour shifts. So he gets 48 hours on and then 96 hours home. Uh-huh. And that's what it's supposed to be. But he also works at another station. So he also is obligated to work that schedule. And so a lot of the times he'll work, you know, 60 hours straight because he'll go from one shift to the other. Like they'll just like roll right into each other. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes he'll get a break. Like he'll like this week, for example, he did. <laughs> they do. Sometimes they do like either mandatory overtime in certain stations. And then sometimes it's like a. I voluntold overtime. Oh like, yeah. Oh. Voluntold is the yeah. phrase. <laughs> right. Um, so he did 
overtime this week. And so it ended up being a 72 hour shift. And then technically he was off for a day and now he's working his 12 hour shift at the other station. So oh my gosh. it's kind of all over the place. And then, you know, every now and then, like you said, trainings and whatever, like he's in a training right now. And <laughs> the way his schedule worked out this week is Monday, he started his 72 hour shift. Um, and then he got off that and went straight into his training for the, that whole day he was supposed to be off and then went right into his, his next shift. And then the way it's worked out is he'll get the weekend, I think, and then go right back into his 48. So sometimes I just like, I swear we don't ever see him like this month has been crazy. And then for us too, is we have to juggle his air force schedule on top of that. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's a schedule in the sense of it's always supposed to be 4896. Right. But that's not I don't usually know. how it ends up. I don't through. know how you manage that because like, as we've been talking about like his schedule and stuff, this yeah. week, I'm like, girl, when I thought, you know, my husband was working too much or it was hard, then I've heard yours and I'm like, okay, I bow down to you again. Not that you're no. asking for that, but I'm like, you well, are amazing. It, and it's not even, I mean, it's not even a, like a, IBU type thing, no, right? Because like not at every all. every first responder family is going through it. Like we're yeah. all going through it. Whether or not your husband's on like 12 hour shifts or 48, you know, whatever, 48 shifts, 24 hour shifts, whatever it is. Yes. Like it's still hard. And it's absolutely it it still can be so lonely. Um oh, and, lonely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Yes. Like it's it's just something and people ask me all the time, like, oh my gosh, how do you do it? And it's almost like, well, I don't have a choice, right? No. Like I just kind of have to. It's a mindset. And you just, yes. And you have to like figure out how to do it because like you and I, like we're, we're not superhuman. Like we still have human needs and it's still hard. It's yeah. just, we've adapted, right? Like, totally. I have, I, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I was just going to say, like, I, I have learned that it is really all about perspective and like how you look at it and whether or not like you have two choices, like you can you can dwell in it and you can make your life more difficult or you can just rise up and just say, OK, like we're going to roll with it and we have to adapt. Oh, totally. Um, and and I kind of took that lesson from the Marine Corps and carried it through. Um, but I will say, like Marine Corps. Yes, it, it, in a way, prepared me for him to be gone often, but it was a much more difficult transition than I had anticipated going yeah. from Marine Corps, like military lifestyle to first responder lifestyle. Well, and that's um, what I've been connecting lately and talking about yeah. things I noticed was like, we really picked up having like a lot of conversations regarding that because yeah. it's on one hand. It is mindset, but then on the other hand, it's like sometimes I need to sit in the hard, the hard that it is for a little while right. and honor that before I can pick myself up by my bootstraps and say, okay, I've got this now, you know? Right. So, um, well, and I also think like when you throw kids into the mix, oh it just makes things a hundred <laughs> times harder, right? Like, and it just makes it way more complicated and, and not even just for us, but for the kids. Oh yeah. I mean, at least for mine, like I've noticed 
you know, this morning, for example, Ellie woke up and I was in the shower and she came in and the first thing she asked is, where's daddy? Mm. And I told her, baby, she, you know, he, he had to go to work and she immediately burst into tears. Yep. Like immediate tears. And it hurts my heart. And I know it hurts Wes too, because he can't control it. Right. Like he has a job to do and he has to do it, but it's hard on them because they don't necessarily understand why is daddy gone all the time? Why is he missing all the things? And I miss him, you know? Oh, totally. We had just with the schedule change this week, we had, so I'm about to say Ellie as well, because fun fact, <laughs> we'll have one of those as well. That's uh, another thing. Like we know have Ellie's. <laughs> it's so weird. Um, well, and when we had like, kind of like caught up talking again more after you had her, I was like, okay, wait, remember I have an Ellie too. And you were like, oh my gosh, no, I like didn't even remember that. Um, yes. But, so we had one of those with my Ellie this week with the transition and it was like, you know, bedtime, we're doing the calming down routine. Um, dad is at work and she just starts like laying on the floor, sobbing and Switching between that and being very angry at the world, telling me that I needed yeah. to call daddy's work and tell them that they were dumb. <laughs> and oh, was- <laughs> sweet girl. And she's like, but before that, it was, you know, it was my brush is something's bothering me about my brush. And so the, even though my kids are getting older to where they can like understand it, there's still emotions that they just don't know how to process around it. Right. It's like, wait, dad has been here for bedtime more often than not for the past six months. And now all of a sudden he's not here and this doesn't feel right. So I'm right. Just, I need to really cry it out about it. And, you know, I was proud of how I handled it in that moment because sometimes, you know, kids can be hard. We don't always do everything. Um, when we look back at it the way we wished we would have, but this time right. I was like, just sat, sat with her in those emotions. And I was like, yeah, girl. And I literally laid on the floor with her until our dog walked up and started giving her little kisses and really just brought her back down. And right. That's all you can do in those situations. Right. Really all well, you can do. And I try to remind myself, like, it's hard for me. Like I burst into tears on the floor some nights. Like <laughs> yeah. I am the one throwing an adult sized tantrum sometimes because of his work schedule and the fact that I miss him. So I can't yes. even imagine what it's like for a six, four, two year, you know, however old your kids are like, it's, they are so young. And I, if I'm having a hard time handling the transitions and the loneliness and missing him, you know, it's probably tenfold for them and and they don't have the tools to navigate their emotions as well as we do. And so I always try to give that perspective when, you know, I'm at my wits end it's been a crazy day and everybody's on my nerves and everybody's having a tantrum (laughs) and I just want to join in. You know, some days I'm just like, you know what? Let's all just scream, right? We're all just going to lay here and scream and kick our legs because that's just how we feel. But like, I have to, I just have to remind myself to like, okay, I have to be the level-headed one in this situation. Like I have to breathe and bring it back down because my crazy plus their crazy is not going to equal calm. Oh, totally. You like don't want to though. Like I have, as you're talking about this, I have this distinct memory of when you said, I want to lay on the floor and have a tantrum. I've literally used that phrase far too many times when the husband's like, Hey, I got to go to work. I got voluntold again. And cause staffing is an issue oftentimes. And uh, when I think 
COVID was like a few months in. It was July. There were riots in LA County. And he's I remember that. Yes. And he was like, hey, babe, I got to work again. I got to work again. I think he literally in some capacity worked 28 out of 30 days that month. And I just have, it makes me emotional because I just remember laying there on the floor, like (laughs) every morning sometimes, like being like, here we go again. I feel lonely. I feel abandoned, but I know he's not abandoning me, but I feel abandoned. Yeah. It's a very, it's a very strange feeling because it I am is. the same way. Like it, it feels like you're being abandoned and left behind, but you know, realistically that that's not what's happening. Yes. And it's like trying to navigate that. Like, okay, my husband is not just abandoning me and our family. <laughs> like I, know. I, he has a very important job to do, <laughs> but it's, it's his, it's such a weird place to be. It is. Um, and I mean, it's funny because, I mean, it's not funny, but he always tells me, he's like, you know, if there's like, um, you know, an, an emergency, like a natural disaster or something like I'm, I'm required to go and report to work. Like I can't be home with you guys. And I'm like, wow, what a great thing that I have to mentally prepare myself for always too. Like, so when right. we they're not abandoning us. It's like their job literally requires of them to help people you know, Mm -hmm. even in the worst of times. So that requires, Mm -hmm. and it's like, I didn't sign the paperwork for the job, but in being them, we almost have like an invisible signature on a contract of saying, we will hold the fort down here while they are there. Right. And that actually reminded me when you mentioned natural disasters. So recently in Texas, like in, I think it was March or April earlier this in the spring, um, we had a bunch of tornadoes come rolling mm. through here and Ugh. of course Wes has to be called and he's you know he goes into the station and they're calling for debris and like you know all of these things that are going on craziness and and I remember texting him saying like oh my gosh I are you know sirens are going off and we're being told to like take shelter and here I am <laughs> with yeah. the four kids and two dogs by myself as my husband's at the station, but he can't be here to help or, you know, in a sense, be like that protective, you know, feeling that you have of having your husband around. Yeah. Um, and I know it's hard for him, too, because he doesn't like being away during like natural disasters like that. Like he wants to make sure that we're safe and that he can be here to help. But it's it's that it's that in between of like, okay, I know he has a job to go help people who are more in need than us. Yeah. But I also have to be the one holding the fort down quite literally in terms yeah. of tornado. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's, it is, it's just one of those things where like they signed this contract saying that in the event of a natural disaster, they are the ones that are required to go and help. Mm-hmm. And we are the ones that are left to stay behind. Um, and yeah, it, and it's hard on both sides. Like I said, it's hard for my it husband is. and it's also hard for, for me. It is. Um, and yeah, I, I think the hardest thing for me right now is like getting into a groove of the solo parenting. Cause there are long stretches of time where all of it rests on my shoulders, right? Like he's yes. not here to do anything at all. And yes. everything falls onto my shoulders. And that 
not that I didn't experience that in the Marine Corps, because there were definitely times where he was gone for long periods of time. And it, it was just, it's a very different culture being a military spouse versus like, you know, this is the every day, every week, like this is the norm. Yeah. Whereas for us in the military, like he at least got to come home for dinner. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, he'd go into the shop and he would do his job and then come home at night and we'd have dinner. And then, you know, he'd go, you know, back to work the next day, unless of course he was doing trainings or ops or anything like that, then of course he would be gone for like maybe a couple weeks at a time. But for the majority of the time he was, you know, getting to come home at night and now trying to adjust to this, you know, being the only parent for at least 48 hours straight out of, you know, a six day period. Um, more like for us, it's usually about half the week that I'm solo parenting and, but this is every single week. So this has been a huge adjustment for me as far as like, well, this isn't just like an every now and then kind of thing. Like, you know, it, it is, our new normal. Yes. And neat to hear you say like that there is a mindset difference and like an actual felt difference because, um, the thought process sometimes for me of like, okay, when he's done with work for the week, then we get, you know, one, two, three days off, depending upon how the schedules worked out. And then it's right back to it. And it's like, when you look ahead and you're like, this is my life for the foreseeable future. And I am married, but one of my um, other law enforcement wife friends, she's actually a neighbor of mine. She calls it, like you just said, solo parenting. And it's like, you don't want to say you're single parenting because you're not, but you are fully in charge of your own hot mess express, you know? Yes. And And sometimes it's like taking all you have just to keep the household afloat you know it's it's literally such a marathon and that's what I have allowed myself to embrace is I don't have to be everything and do everything in those three four days in a row because even though my husband comes home like I guess I should make that clear too like sometimes I wish he got paid to sleep and I'm not saying that's magical for you the way the schedule is (laughs) like right maybe he like maybe he'd work less if he got paid to sleep you know or attempt to sleep um, because he comes home, like, especially on the night shift sleeps, spends, you know, sleeps when he can, um, if he's like not having trouble falling asleep. Cause that's just so opposite, you know, the norm and then right. spend one hour with the kids and then leaves again. So it's like that one hour that we're trying to make sure we get dad time in, um, and are making sure that like, I try to breathe. I then have to just put myself back in that mental space of here we go again. I'm now back in charge all night again. So, you know, it's 22 out of every 24 hours, even though he's only paid for the 12 and that he's actually there. Um, But just allowing myself that grace. um, Yes. It is a marathon, not a sprint. And, and dad makes the mistake. He's, he's going to be mad when he listens to this. He makes the mistake of, uh, trying to sprint when he is home with them he's like well we did this 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 this, and that and I'm like okay slow down (laughs) rest a little make those things last because you would not survive three four five days in a row with twins and for in your case twins plus two 
um, right. if you go at that pace all the time. So grace right. and pace. <laughs> well, survival. Oh, I, I love that grace and pace. It's so true because when we first got into, so I really appreciate all of the little nuggets of wisdom that you have ever given me because for reference, like you've been in this for many, many years, whereas mm-hmm. this is a more new transition for us. I mean, we've uh, probably like six, seven months now. That we've oh yeah. You've been fresh. <laughs> doing this, um, not including the Academy. So yeah. like actually working the job about seven months. So um, like we are so new into this lifestyle. Um, whereas you are more of a veteran first response, you know, first responder wife. So, um, I went into this in the very beginning in this like sprint mentality, like I'm just going to get all the things done. Like I just have to make sure that, you know, everything is perfect for when he comes home. And then I quickly realized that this is not sustainable. No. Like you, <laughs> you're going to burn out way too fast when you do that. And it's going to be an ugly crash and burn, which is what I experienced like the second month in. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's just, I had to, I had to slow my roll and realize that I'm not going to get everything done. And, you know, my husband does the same thing. Like he'll come home (laughs) and of course there's like this like long list of things that I maybe didn't get to because, you know, mom life. Yes. And he'll take like the one day that he has off and he wants to like go to home Depot and he wants to go to tractor supply and he wants yes. to go and like, we're going to <laughs> all these stores. places and I'm like, babe, you know, we're not going to get all these projects done in the five hours now that we have yes. left in the day. <laughs> and he's bless his heart. He means well, like he does. It's yes. just, he's not home. So when he's home, he like wants to maximize everything. It's, um, yeah. <laughs> and, and I, I understand it, but I'm also just like, babe, you should probably sleep. You've been awake for 72 hours straight. <laughs> like, how are you functioning? And he's just like basically running off of adrenaline at this point. Yeah. Um, well, that makes so... me feel better because yeah. <laughs> I always felt like it was just my husband, like trying to do that. Like he literally last week said to me, we had like two hours to do something. And we were like, let's work on the front yard, get it up to par again, you know, trim some things up, get some more soil, fresh plants. And then he's all, well, you know, let's get that cubic yard of uh, DG decomposed granite for the backyard that you've been wanting to update that area. Let's bring it home and like take care of that too. And I was like, bro, a cubic (laughs) yard of decomposed granite takes up like half of a truck bed. And you're telling me that in these two hours, you think we can get that all done? (laughs) I had to like bring it back (laughs) down to earth and be like, Let's be realistic with what we can dive into and fully accomplish because half finished projects when they leave you with them and then they go back to work. Yes. More miserable than not starting it at all. So like (laughs) I have a very like OCD brain where like I hate stopping things halfway through. Like yes, it bothers me and it like almost makes me anxious. Like I can't even watch a movie or show. My husband knows this. We cannot watch (laughs) a show if we're not going to sit down down and finish the entire episode like there is no (laughs) let's start this and then like go to bed no it's like we're gonna start it and then we're gonna finish it or we're not starting it at all and it's the same thing with projects like seeing half done house projects just makes me twitch and (laughs) I'm like I can't I can't handle it laundry perfectly put away and 
the dishes taken care of and like start the the work week back on like a fresh footing, then know that because we tried to squeeze in so much of the other stuff, because like you said, there really is no, I think no matter what type of like shift work they do or first responder career, there's that guilt on their end, like that they almost can't get out of their heads of, I know I wasn't here and you were doing it. And so I'm right. going to try up for that. And you're like, I mean, I'm not guilting you. You're putting that in your mindset. Right. We appreciate you. You're working for your family. But I think if I were in their shoes, I would probably have similar feelings because right. we don't know what that's like then too, because we are the parent that always is home and we don't have that, like, I've missed the kids. I've missed taking care of the home guilt, right. you know? So right. it's the best we can do, I guess, is just try to well, and it's them. <laughs> And they're not even just working for their family, right? They're working for strangers. They are, they're working for people they don't even know. And like, they are doing such an important job. And, and so are we though, right? Like it is a team. Like it's not, and I hate, I hate when moms try and like belittle, like, oh, I'm just a stay at home mom, especially like first responder wives too. Like where your husband's working really hard shifts, like he's gone all the time and you're doing a lot of solo parenting. Like you are not just a mom. You're not just anything. Like (laughs) you are doing hard work, just not getting paid for it. Oh, and it should be a 300 K a year job, in my opinion, to be the stay at home. (laughs) (laughs) Hubby wouldn't even need to work, right? Like we, if we got paid for what we do, like it's. Yeah, it's, it's a, it's a perspective thing too. like, you know, for example, like, we have had, like I said, the week from hell this last week. You have. Oh my gosh, like, this, and we were joking about this earlier, like, there is no better week to record this episode than the week that we have both had. Yes. Oh, yeah. The, the like, shift change, the, yes. the issues with kids, the, all the things that you had going on. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, for starters, my car just decides to die on my husband's 72 hour shift. And like it, you know, it was one thing after another. And then of course, having to call 911 for Bentley because he busted his foot open. Yeah. And you know what my husband told me after the fact, he called me and he was like, I heard it on the radio. (gasps) And I was like, that's the scariest. No. Yes. He heard our address on the radio. That gives me he know by then though like you'd called him first right well I called him first but get this he didn't answer because <gasps> he was busy oh so my God, no. he he didn't answer and I was like well I have to call and so I ended yeah. up calling for EMS yeah and um because where we live and like where he's like where his station is and like what city he lived or works in is well he kind of lives there sometimes um <laughs> is <laughs> only about 20 minutes apart but they're in they're in the same county just different towns and so they do a lot of mutual aid and they're always constantly hearing each other on the radio and their calls and like you know all all the things and so he um when I called I obviously called for where we live and they they showed up and it's funny because the fact like one of the paramedics he looked at the our wedding pictures on the wall (gasps) and he was like hey man he looks familiar and I'm like it's probably because you've ran calls with him before (laughs) oh my god and 
he we were just kind of having a laugh about it because he was like oh is this his like normal shift and i was like yep it's his normal shift and he goes yeah he looks familiar i'm pretty sure we've ran calls together i'm like i'm pretty sure you have too well i'm just imagining the chills that probably had to like run down his spine like when he heard your guys address knew oh my gosh and he didn't know yet what it was there's that had to have been freaky Yes. And so actually we talked about it last night because last night was the first time I've seen him since Sunday night. And so he came home to sleep and we were talking about it. And he was like, I heard our address on the radio from the other room. And I immediately got up and went into the office to listen. And like he said, it was just it was not a fun feeling to mm-hmm. hear that your address is being called and you're at work. So you have no idea what is going on. Yeah. And he had to listen to the call and it was like six year old. And so he knew that it was one of our kids. Yeah. And, you know, as a parent, if you don't have any other context other than, you know, first responders are coming to your home and it's about your son. Yeah. Like, you know, that's Yeah. I, it, it gives me chills to even think about it because I'm trying to put yeah. myself in his shoes and I'm sure like panic just like washed over him. Um, oh, sure. and, and he told me like his lieutenant was like, man, it was, it was real interesting watching you sit there and just kind of stew because like you couldn't do anything, you know, like, oh. and, and you're just listening to see. And then he eventually got a hold of me while the paramedics were there. And so like, I got to talk to him on the phone. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I got, I got him up to speed, but I think still he was on this like adrenaline high of like, oh my gosh, first responders are going to my house yeah. and I'm not there and it's about my kid. And so he did not sleep well that night. <laughs> I won't no, tell you that much. Of course not. Um, like and he so, finally was home, but it was like, yeah. you're still, it's almost like that, that mindset is still on for them of being that first responder and like something right. happened fear that's fear well, you know? and I think and I think as a first responder their their first thought is worst case scenario right like of course they get they get some awful awful calls and I'm sure that like the first thing that pops into their head is like worst case scenario like oh my gosh somebody's dying like <laughs> you know yeah. um and Especially so children children hit different and your oh, husband would yes. tell you that I mean as a mom we know that my husband yes has a few instances and we've discussed those they hit different and my husband always says he's like when I hear kid over the radio I it's like he of course he responds equally to every emergency but he's like there's something extra in that for me like it's a kid I got there yeah it hits different and like even even Wes has talked about it in the sense of like children are so innocent and and pure Mm -hmm. that it just feels different when it's a kid and especially as a parent. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Parenting versus, versus an adult. Um, and, and, you know, talk, well, talking about traumatic cases, like let's just talk about secondary trauma for a second. Oh, <laughs> segue. We did it. Because, we, yes. because that was the perfect segue. Like we have talked about this multiple times. But what is your experience with like secondary trauma because of your husband's job? So it actually is something that really manifested for me a lot after having kids. Um, yeah. oddly, 
how people say like, oh, having kids really softened me. Um, he used to be able to, so I've had the interesting experience of being a first responder wife prior to having kids, during pregnancy, yeah. now after. And it used to not affect me. He could come home. He could tell me all the things. And I'd be like, oh, whoa, that's crazy. And then just brush it right off. Well, then after I had my twins, I had a really difficult pregnancy, a lot of risk factors for postpartum. And I ended up um, with pretty much any type of postpartum you can put in front of something else like anxiety, all the letters, depression, uh, did I say PTSD already? You know, uh, (laughs) all those things. And all the things, all of a sudden I had to ask him to stop sharing things with me. And that was a hard transition for us. But basically those traumas, I'm, I'm highly empathetic, highly sensitive to taking on what somebody else feels. And then all of a sudden you're responsible for keeping these two little people alive. You're on edge because of screaming, crying. You know, my daughter screamed a lot. My son had reflux issues. Um, it lack of sleep, and then being adjusted to their schedule, to the the kids and trying to adjust with the husband. And I couldn't tolerate any of it anymore. And I'm getting to a place where I am better, you know, through therapy and learning that I don't have to carry those heavinesses. Um, right. I've been able to be like, you know what, let's figure out a way for you to be able to share with me what you need me to know so that I can support you without then triggering these difficult emotions within me. So we've gotten there, but then there's some instances where it's like, you can't, you can't control that. And so um, one specific story that comes to mind um, was the day before Thanksgiving this last year. Uh, And so this might, you know, help others who have had a similar experience, just know how normal this can be. Um, My husband called me from work had an incident with a child and he doesn't usually call me. Um, and he was naturally having a rough time with it. So I heard, I heard the whole, the whole experience, the whole story, the child ended up passing away and he literally, it gives me chills talking about it. Um, he literally had the same little jammies that our son used to own. And he, the circumstance I guess was like that he passed away, um, laying on a parent and the parent thought that he had just been asleep, but there were other internal issues going on. Right. So then, you know, that trauma was really big in our household um, for that critical incident. And that secondary trauma was big for my husband. Obviously my kids know nothing about it, but you know, come Christmas day, um, my daughter. So, you know, a full, almost about a month later, my daughter was not feeling well that day. And she was like laying on me falling asleep and my husband was working and my parents were at the house spending the morning with us. And I told my mom, I was like, this is like mad secondary trauma anxiety right now because this is all that is running through my head with this recent uh, experience that my husband had and I heard about. So it's you know, it's normal for it to affect you. How can it not? And that's something that I've spoken with my therapist about is that's such a a fair thing to need to protect within myself as the spouse, what 
input I'm having into my world because I need to make it through my reality, which is home with the kids, keeping little people safe 24 seven when their instinct is to run in the street, jump off the right. things like, you know, had the other day. Um, AKA Bentley. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, we've had, we've had one of those, you know, in the past couple of months too, you know, my son yes. um, has, you know, fallen off the bike and I've, you know, tore the frenulum under his lip or however you say that word. Um, right. And we all have our own reality to make it through. And if I'm taking on every single one of his traumas, because of course I'm his best friend. I want to hear it. I want to be there for yeah. him. And I wanna, I want him to share with me. But at the same time, I can't have every worst case scenario running through my head when right. I need to try to somehow be kind of chill <laughs> with my own kids and have had my right. own struggles with mental health, you know, and there's no shame in that. It's just, we have to, they say that your diet isn't just what you eat. Your diet is what you consume from the world around you. Um, I read I that. that. Yeah, yeah. And I thought it really brings that into perspective because I don't want to read and watch the news. I don't want to be surrounded by negativity. I, I need my diet from the world around me to almost be somewhat of a bubble some days. Right. Yeah. Um, Mm-hmm. But positivity, hope, light, joy, and of course, with joy comes sadness. And so that's okay in those those critical incidents, those big circumstances. But right. that secondary trauma can be so real and it's okay to need to protect yourself from it. But at the same time, it's also just inevitable too sometimes, you know? Right. Well, and I, and I can connect with, with the whole secondary trauma thing because with Wes being, and, and I know that like, you know, law enforcement and fire, like their situations are going to be a little bit different that they respond to, but also too, there's going to be a lot of similarities. And so like, for example, Wes responds to a ton of accidents. There is particularly a highway out here that is very dangerous and unfortunately has a lot of fatalities when they, when they do have accidents on it. Um, And so he's constantly responding to that. And I'm constantly hearing about these terrible accidents. And, you know, there was one particular case uh, back in February that involved a, a child. And it was, unfortunately, they didn't even realize that it was a child at the time because of how unrecognizable the people were. And, you know, my husband obviously had to respond to that and finding out the next day that what he had seen was a, a child, oh, it, wow. hit, it hit different. Like that, that trauma almost was like delayed for him Yes, um, because he had to wrap his mind around the images that he saw. It wasn't an adult. It, it was a child. Yeah. And, um, and then that trickle down to me to where now when I get in the car and I drive, I'm constantly having these, you know, feelings of anxiety of like, oh my goodness, what if I get into a car accident? Like, yeah, I'm, and I'm with the, I'm with the kids. And it's like this fear of like, I'm every time I get into the car, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get into an accident. And yeah, um, that's so relatable. And it's, it's kind of crazy. Like we completely avoid that highway. Like Wes has already told us so many times, like you are not allowed to drive on that highway. Like almost every single time that he's on shift, there is an accident on that highway. And so, um, 
you know, which is fine. Like I am okay with avoiding something, even though it's convenient, if it means that we may help avoid, I mean, there's no way to avoid the inevitable, right? Like we don't know, Mm. we can't really tell yourself, you know, oh, I'm going to get into an accident on Tuesday morning. So I'm just going to prepare for that. Like, you know, it just, it happens. And so, and I get that, but if I can try and, you know, avoid it, I guess, as, as much as possible, like by avoiding a very dangerous highway, then I'm going to do that. And also it gives Wes peace of mind. Like I know he gets anxious if he knows I'm going to be on that highway. Um, and I don't want that. Like when he's on shift to be like thinking, oh, for sure. oh. because you know, yeah, it was hard for him to hear our address over, oh, over in a different district. Get past to imagine getting called to your own family's car accident. Like that would be, and we're always in his district. So that's, that's yes. the thing. Like, I'm always like, you know, panicked that I'm going to get into an accident and my husband's going to have to be the one that responds to it. And oh, so, sure. and that, and that is sort of how I've like carried into that whole secondary trauma. Um, but, and then speaking of trauma, like what about our husband's trauma, right? Like what about their PTSD? Because they are the ones that are physically living and seeing these, you know, nightmares really, because like, how else would you describe it? Um, and how, I mean, how do you help your husband cope? Cause I know you mentioned like, yes, they're our best friends and you want to be there for them while also protecting yourself. So how do you help your husband work through and cope with the trauma and the PTSD that he experiences while also protecting your own mental health? Um, I'd say that as of late, we've really like 10 years into this discovered the idea of cumulative PTSD. And it was something I wasn't as familiar with. Like I thought there was um, like PTSD, there can be like an individual traumatic experience or there can be just continuous smaller traumatic experiences that then change, you know, the way that memories are stored and, um, the stress response and that cumulative PTSD is something that we are just working to acknowledge in our household. Um, I have to have just, I'd say the, the best thing is a good listening ear. Um, listening is not something that comes easy to most of us. A lot of the time it's like, we're listening to wait until then we can respond. Right. And I found that sometimes just holding space for him and letting him know I'm here for you. Um, what is it that you need right now to handle this? And so like with that experience last Thanksgiving, I mean, it was so unfortunate. We were hosting like 25 people at our house the next day. And he's like, I am just not in the space for this. And it was just giving him that grace and understanding of Mm -hmm. like, yeah, that's fair. You know, I mean, we can't cancel on everybody now. We've got all the food prep, this and that, but you need to go upstairs and you need to take some alone time. That's fine. If you need to tell, if you need me to tell people that you, um, you know, had a rough one yesterday and you don't want to talk about it, then I'll happily do that for you. So it's a lot of, I mean, you know, I don't know how your husband is, but men aren't the biggest communicators sometimes. Yeah. So <laughs> it, it's like pulling teeth to get out of him sometimes. What are your emotions surrounding this? So he might not have to truly, the way like I'd say I protect myself from secondary trauma while 
supporting him is I'll say, you know, why don't you tell me what type of call it was? Was it self-harm? That was um, one that he had, you know, recently. Um, Was it, those are often, quite frankly, um, was it, you know, a child? Was it an assault? You know, what, what type of call was it? And like, what was traumatic about it for you? Because then I'm not per se getting the vivid, unfortunately, gory details. Oftentimes I'm getting the basis of like what that trauma might be for him. And then I can understand, yeah, that would actually be really hard. And now I can support you on those emotions without having to fully take on what you took on because it, he, you know, there's certain triggers for them. Um, Smells are big for him. Um, So like, grilling on the barbecue sometimes he's like not my favorite the smell of meat cooking if you can get where I'm going with that which your husband probably too fire you know Um, well and funny thing when we had COVID at one point he lost his smell for like a solid couple of months and he was like it was actually really nice because yeah those memories weren't being as triggered by smells and he's like I felt a little free for a little bit Um, right so just a lot of I'm here for you. What do you need? And that listening ear, because I wasn't there, you know, I, and nothing I can say will ever, unless I've done the job, nothing right. I can say will ever be like, yeah, I understand. I don't understand, but I am here for you. And, that's and I the- think, yeah, no, I agree. I think that even just recognizing the fact like, hey, I don't understand what it's like but I am here to support you and try to try to understand as best as I can, you know? Um, and, and for me, like I've, I've realized that like the biggest thing that I can do for Wes with the whole trauma, PTSD and all that, like, is just to ask him, what can I do for you? Like, what do you, what do you need from me? And how can I support you? Because straight up just asking, like, what do you need? is one of the most powerful things that I have, I've realized because, you know, sometimes he's just like, I just need to sit in the shower for an hour. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay, you -hmm. know what? Close the door. I'll keep the kids over here. You go decompress and just let the water hit you and sit there for an hour. That is fine. Like how, you know, what can I do to make it easier for you to work through? Because there's no avoiding it. Like, no. Like you said, it's fortunate for your husband to have had the loss of smell for that small period of time because that <laughs> right. was a way to avoid that trigger completely, which is not normally uh, the case. Like normally you don't get to avoid a trigger completely. Um, no. Well, even with those like, kid ones we've talked about, yeah. like I know for my husband, it was like, and you shared something similar. Um, mm-hmm. it, it was like you see your own child, seeing your own child mm-hmm be a trigger. And it's like, wow, the thing in the world that I love the most, want to protect the most, all of a sudden is bringing back these horrible memories for me. Like, how are you supposed to even deal with that? You know? Yeah. Well, and that's actually like, it, it brings me back to like one of, well, actually the very first traumatic call for Wes in this job field. Um, and it was, it was the first time that I have really up close watched the trauma and how it has affected him and you know Mm -hmm. obviously like that first 
that first one is always going to hit harder because it's the first like in a job field. And, um, you know, like you said, with the, the pajamas, like it was for, for Wes, it's baby shark, like hearing baby shark, seeing that stuff, like it is a trigger for him. And, and you would think like just these little things that people don't realize. And, And that's another way that I try my best to support him in that is, recognizing what the triggers are and helping to try and minimize them. And so for example, like I, I don't put on anything related to baby shark. I try to avoid it while he's home. Like I, I don't want to make it more apparent, right? Like I don't want to bring around the trigger more. Um, And it's just being like conscious of of little things that can that can trigger and that somebody else would have no idea. Cause it's just a, such a small thing. Like you said, grilling, like, you know, who, who's going to think that that's going to be an issue. But I, I try to be that like silent advocate for him in a sense. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Of, you know, trying to help minimize the triggers and, um, and help him sort of navigate it because like you said, like we're never going to know and understand because we weren't there, but we can try to support them while working through whatever it is. And I tell Wes all the time, like, you know, you can tell me whatever. And and sometimes, honestly, like I won't even ask, he'll just come home and he'll go into the shower and I'll, you know, ask him if he needs anything. And, and sometimes he'll just start, spewing out stories like I I won't it's not prompted or anything like it's almost just like he needs to physically release it oh yeah out and it it doesn't he doesn't need me to respond he doesn't need me to give my ideas or input he literally just needs me to be a sounding board and like you said with the whole listening thing like we and and we talked about this too with Marco because we use Marco Polo to to (laughs) talk all the time and it it really forces you to sit back and listen and actually pay attention to what the other person is saying before you pause and respond. And so it's, it's the same concept in, in helping them deal with their PTSD and their trauma, like sitting and actually listening and not thinking about what you're going to respond with next, just thinking of what they're saying. And it just makes a huge difference a huge difference at least my husband has said for for him and his own you know issues that it helps a lot to just have somebody to listen because you're they feel seen you know like we might not get it we can't empathize but we can sympathize with the pain they might be in because of what they experienced and they know that the person that's their best friend now understands their like internal emotional conflict, you know, we're right right there supporting them. And like you said, like people might not get it. Most people are going about their day-to-day life um, just unaware of the traumas and the realities of things that like occur in a first responder world. And Mm -hmm. we, I don't know if you guys have experienced this yet, but we'll have family members oftentimes family members, friends, when people, you know, see him, they're like, oh, do you have any cool stories lately? And his response is always just like, no, not really. I mean, if he has something yeah. that was like not traumatic, but was legitimately intriguing, that's right. totally fair game. But people want to hear 
unfortunately, the sick stuff. Because, like, people want to watch scary movies. They want those, like, so many people watch, like, those murder mystery shows. And I can't do it. Our house, we don't watch that stuff because it is real. And they want to hear that. And me, as his advocate, oftentimes, like, he will just not go into it and change the topic. And I'll kind of, like, talk to that person at a different time and say, hey, you know, those experiences that you're asking him about, I know you're coming from a good place, but it's really not the type of stuff you want to remember. It's, right. it's trauma. And, right. you know, if had you experienced things like that on a weekly basis within your line of work, it, would it be something you'd want to relive? And and I might not go that much into it. I might just even make a joke sometimes. Like, right you know, it's pretty painful stuff to deal with. So I don't know if you want to talk about it. That's up to him. Well, and, and the public typically just gets these like headliner stories, right? Like the the really big ones that make the news. But I think what people don't realize is that there are a thousand other ones that you don't hear about that the first responder families silently carry themselves. You're right. And, and it just, it's really interesting because I do agree. I think people are always very intrigued with the chaos and the destruction and they want to hear about these quote unquote cool stories. And like, yeah. Wes is all about like telling the actual cool stories. Like they had a 600 <laughs> acre wildfire the other day. Like <laughs> that yeah. was kind of a crazy story. And, you know, it you know, seeing cool pictures from that, like, okay, like that's a actually cool story. Like because oh, sure. everything was pretty much fine minus some cows which was sad but <laughs> you know everything was pretty much fine and it got under control um but like he's not going to just openly volunteer the traumatic you know accidents or you know the finding people in their homes or you know whatever it mm-hmm. is that they that they experience sort of regularly um those aren't the stories that he's willing to to go and just share, which I think that's pretty common for any first responder. Like, and, and the thing is too, is I feel like there's this stigma and, and it's not just, so for us, it was, it started sort of like in the military, like there was a stigma of like mental health and like, you just, you know, you buck up buttercup, like, yeah, <laughs> you know, and deal with it and swallow it. Um, and I feel like that's also really prevalent in the first responder world in a sense like Mm -hmm. they they don't want to look I think weak in front of peers and like coworkers, and so I think a lot of time men tend to just carry this stuff along like like you said like it's kind of like pulling teeth to get them to talk about it yeah um and my goal as, as his wife is to really be that safe landing place to where he can break down. Like you, you can be vulnerable. Like there is nobody watching. Nobody's going to judge you. Like, you know, this is a safe place to just lose it. And, and I feel like, yes, they can at least get that. Like, yeah, bro, I understand because they work and they see the same things and they can like actually bond over like hard things that they get to go through together. Yep. But there's a different aspect of like dealing with it when they come home because then it's like I can fully relax and just let it go. You know, like I well, can just when yeah. they fully come down from that. Like, so my husband has said, like, there's things that I just don't even believe that I 
am able to withstand within the the line of work but he'll he'll say you know like stress wise and when he puts that uniform on he's like it's just a mindset i just do it but then when they come home you take the uniform off you're a person underneath that no matter what type of uniform you wear and i think that's almost scarier when you take that mask off and you are confronted with that person in the mirror who has experienced those things there's probably like with their buddies it's it's one way and that's the the initial way of dealing with and processing that but then you home to what's supposed to be your safe space but those traumas come with you with the person and they don't you know sit on top of the uniform and stay there and that can be when they need that support the most you know we we are that like, like you said that safe landing place Right. And I almost feel like sometimes that uniform comes off and they kind of sit there and they realize, oh, my gosh, I just did that. <laughs> you know, yeah. like what, whatever it may be, like it, they kind of come down from that like adrenaline high and then it starts to sink in like, wow, I was in a pretty dangerous situation just then. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, but well, they don't think about it because they're like you said it's like a mindset like you you put on the uniform and you do the job like you just you you let the training take over and you do what you have to do and then it's like you come home take it off relax you're in quiet in a quiet space and you can just really sit down and think like wow that actually happened (laughs) well and then that quiet space can almost be deafening you know like oh yeah I know that that sometimes my husband will say to me, he's like, I just need to get up and do something because if I sit still, I'm stuck with what I'm trying. He's not, not trying to run away from anything, but he's like, I don't, I can't fully confront that right now in this moment. It's too raw. So like, let's do something. And it might be, you know, working in the garage. He just, he loves tools and, you know, woodworking and building things. And so, um, (laughs) yeah, it's, it's a way to handle that, but it just, that silence, I think, I know for me, if I'm not in a good place and I'm trying to deal with the trauma, do not leave me quiet and alone because then I will think about it all, you know? Right. So. And you kind of start to spiral. And oh, yeah. I And I feel like it's actually a very common denominator across, like, first responders that, like, they like to do things with their hands, I've noticed. Oh, like, building and woodworking and it's like they have to like physically be exerting energy and like doing something with their hands to like process through whatever it is that they did on the job it's almost like therapy for them well like that's what my husband literally calls it I'm like go do your therapy in the garage (laughs) right that's an interesting I never really like thought about that in terms of other people because I know who my husband is but when you say that I'm like um, actually now, now that we're talking about that, yeah, <laughs> right. Well, and I think it's because they have such like hands on jobs. Like they're always doing something with their hands, like that coming home, it's only natural to work through it in like a therapeutic way, like woodworking or, you know, building something or yard work or something where like they get something that's finished and complete at the end of it that they yeah. can like be like okay I did this like and it went I'm in control you know I'm in control of how it came out that's what I was actually going to touch on is that's one of those things that my husband actually has kind of figured out for himself he's like when I'm here and I'm working on these things I am in control of 
you know, what's going on. And if I make a mistake, I can fix it. And he's like, in so many of these traumatic experiences, these critical incidents at work, he's like, I couldn't fix it. It was what it was. And I was there to pick up pieces. And that ability to like bring something to completion that's fully within your control and then feel accomplishment and um calm almost because like you said you feel chaos if you leave things undone I think that right we might be on to something you know yeah (laughs) I do I I really think that it like it is just so much more than oh I want to go tinker in the garage yeah Um, (laughs) it's so much more than that and I think it took me a minute to realize that because in the very beginning, like there would be a little bit, I'm not going to lie, like a little bit of resentment and frustration because I'm like, you've been gone for, you know, 48, 72 hours straight. Like, why aren't you in here hanging out with us? And like the kids miss you. And like, you just get frustrated when they're in the garage running around when you're trying to build things. Like there was, you know, sometimes where I'm like, okay, like, I see you later. But, you know, the longer that we are in this, like, the more I'm realizing this isn't just him, like, tinkering around and avoiding his family. This is him literally processing through his shift. Yeah. And so that he can be present and so that he can be, you know, the good dad and husband that that he that he is. Yeah. And that's a good reminder for me that that I've probably needed because you go through almost like cycles of like. 10 years into this, you're like, okay, like I just need you here and I just need you to be supportive because I've been dealing with this here. And then he'll remind me, yeah, but I've been dealing with stuff too. So that decompression for them, just like we need at the end of a day of momming, like I put my kids in bed and I'm like, bye Felicia, I'm going to (laughs) sit for 30 minutes to an hour and I just need no one to need me. And that, right. in reality, the sacred the mom hour. Oh, I know. <laughs> totally. But that's the same thing they're asking for. It's almost just hard to understand it and to remind ourselves that we need to do that. So this is a good reminder for me because right. I probably need to offer that space more and understand it more. He'll be glad. Well, to and that. I'm even just, I'm talking to myself here. Like, you yeah. know, we get so caught up in the day to day and the, you know, the grind. And then we just kind of forget sometimes um, but when you sit and talk about it and think about it, you're like, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and speaking of like hard things, what would you say is the hardest thing for you about being a first responder wife? Um, I would say I won't talk too much on any of them, but there's like definitely like two or three, I'd say the independence that I have to have mm-hmm. uh, and that sometimes I just don't want to have to be. We already talked about that. Um, so that, that level of independence, the traumas, and we've already gone there. Um, but I think we've mildly touched on this is the third thing would be most people don't get it. And, um, Mm. it's very, very valuable to have friends that are law enforcement wives, fire wives. I've got friends of both a couple friends of both types and something I say to a friend that doesn't have that same understanding sometimes you know I'll say gosh it's been so rough with the training and the sleep and the this and the that and I'm not looking to say my heart is the hardest I'm just looking to right for for space to be held for my emotions and sometimes it won't be received in the way I'd hoped but then you say it to 
a law enforcement, you know, wife. And like I said, my friend, um, that's actually my neighbor. She is like one of my favorite people to go to when I'm like, this has been hard. And she's like, I see you girl. Mm -hmm. And something about that understanding is so important, but 99% of people don't understand it. And um, even like our families, I actually come from a law enforcement family. My stepdad is law enforcement and has been since I was like eight years old. But um, my husband's side of the family has not had that law enforcement experience and they try their best, you know, right. they, they've adapted with us and all things like that. But it's like, you have to explain more than you think you would need to, right. as opposed to people that just get it. And just like, I don't understand things they may have gone through, you know? So right. when people get it, it's wonderful, but 99% of people need, you just, you almost have to just live your life saying, okay, they, they don't get it. And it's not like an right. us and them in the slightest. Um, right. It's just, you want someone who knows what you feel. And I think that's why you and I connect is like right. that, that, that instant meet cue of like, she has twins, someone who gets yes. it. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. And I, and I think too, like there's this disconnect between like the first responder world and like maybe just the civilian world. Like they're, yes. they, they can't understand because there's, there's no way they could like, um, and, and like, we can recognize that and understand that, but it doesn't make it any easier, so to speak for like us. Like I would say the hardest thing for me in this, in this lifestyle is the isolation and the loneliness. Like, yes, I, I feel it hard. (laughs) We, Gosh, we came from the Marine Corps where it felt like a very close, tight-knit community. And, like, basically everybody I came in contact with was in the Marine Corps or a spouse of somebody in the Marine Corps. And so, like, we were living right next to each other. We were shopping at the same commissary. Like, it was a very close-knit community and also too they like to put you in the middle of nowhere where nobody wants to live unless they're told to live there anyways so you know we we kind of had to lean on each other and then you know he got out and and now we're you know living this whole fire life you know thing and um to be honest like I haven't I haven't found a whole lot of um other fire wives who who have kids who who get it um you know there is this one family that I I did meet at our church and I was so thankful because I was like oh you get it you know (laughs) Um, yeah instant connection (laughs) right but there's that sense of like isolation and loneliness like gosh I must be the only one in the world doing this like I you know and I think a part of that too is like we are fairly new to Texas like it's only been like two years and so Um, you know, we're still getting our connections in and like putting roots down, but it's, it is, it's almost like physically hurts me sometimes the loneliness. Like I, and it's not even just the loneliness for community and like the isolation in that sense, but like the, I miss my husband. Like I just miss my husband. (laughs) Well, and then it doesn't come out right. Sometimes like you find yourself almost ticked off at them and then they're like gee thanks and you're like 
welcome home. (laughs) Yeah. You're like, I'm trying to figure out how I feel too. And I think you're spot on with that. Um, the loneliness factor, that was something I experienced for a long time because in terms of the connecting with like first responder wives in his old department, which I'm obviously not going to name, the culture was not as community oriented for families. And it was a lot of old school ways and, um, just not as kind is the only way I know how to put it. And in the new department that we've been with for two years, we could not be happier. And I have met so many people. Every person feels like a friend as opposed to um, just someone he happens to work with. And you feel like there's true caring about like your family, your spouse. And that's been huge. So I know what you're saying in terms of like living without that feeling. And I know you'd shared with me and like you just talked about how transitioning from the Marine culture and the life around it, feeling so supportive and like you had that community around you, there's really not, it's, it's a lot harder to come by in this field. That's, I feel like the truth of it, you know, especially because even if they're, working with their friends, like every six months, they're going to change shifts and there's four shifts and then there's special assignments. And you literally might not even have the, you might have the exact opposite schedule of your buddy for six months. And I might become friends with that wife. And then we won't talk for, you know, six months at a time. And it's not because we don't like each other. It's literally because it's like, well, you're working that day. I'm working this day. And there's nothing that lines up ever. Right. Well, and I also think, too, like the department culture, like you mentioned, can make or break, literally make or break the family's experience. Like, oh, yeah, there was there is a, you know, big department out here that people, you know, so it's so coveted and everybody wants to work for because it's like, you know, it's a big department and they have great benefits and they pay. I mean, great compared to all the other little towns around here. So, um, you know, Wes actually turned them down because he knew if he took that job he's just going to be another number and it's just like you know a cog in the machine like he he went into this knowing like I want to at least like know the people I'm working with all the time and then be like family versus just a huge department where you're just another number even though they pay great it's he's like it's not worth it um Go ahead. I was going to say they tend to treat you like that too within on the department level, like not even just like on the person level, the department can tend to act that way unintentionally or intentionally. I don't know their intentions, but that's something that literal phrase that you used of a cog in the machine. My husband has used that phrase before and he flat out said it to the faces of some people in the last department and said, you're going to keep asking me to work more no matter what I do. You're going to ask more of me all the time. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you can replace me, but I have one family and that's who I need to be here for. And right. that mindset for them is so important. And it sounds like your husband has the same, you know? Oh yeah, for sure. Like that was going into it for him. He was like, look, family and 
you know, having a department that's supportive of that is the most important thing because to him, we are the most important thing. Yeah. So he needed to find a department that, that aligned with that. Um, and thankfully his Lieutenant is great. Like at this department, like he understands, he gets it. Um, and he's, you know, great. And I'm thankful for that. But, um, well, now that we've been so depressing and all the things that is hard about this, <laughs> like, <laughs> let's switch gears. Like, maybe what's your favorite thing? Like, what are the positives of this lifestyle for you? Um, let's see. I think the, there's a couple positives, but then there's like one main one. <laughs> it's hard to pick one thing always. Um, <laughs> one of the positives is like two and three days off at a time where like we get dad fully to ourselves if there's no other secondary things like we talked about like your husband's got you know all the other other side stuff and mine has like two special assignments at work trainings court whatever those days where we get to like make full memories together where it's not just you know a five-day work week and then a quick weekend and then turn back around and you just kind of feel like you're never out of the grind there are some times where, you know, four days off in a row is like a reset and a, a nice deep breath. And um, I think just knowing that the work that he's doing and therefore the work that we're doing to support their work is meaningful because yes. that is it. It sometimes can take the sting away of how hard it is when you know that what they're doing means something, cause he'll come home for, you know, every bad story, there's a good story too. And right. he'll tell me how, you know, he was able to help someone or how he was able to build rapport with someone who might've been going through a hard time and show them that like, you've got people here for you. Um, you know, he told me a story recently of, someone who just, you know, was being arrested and had had just a really hard go in life, really hadn't had the same opportunities as, you know, people with like solid families Mm -hmm. who aren't in prison and things like that tend to have. And, you know, he said the hard, the hard thing is when I get out of jail, I don't have anybody to call to help walk me through, you know, this filling out a job application or, you know, like adult things. And my husband said, he said, call me. I would love to help you with that. And he means it. He's not just saying it. So knowing that there's light in the world that he's bringing to what can sometimes be dark. I, I choose to live in that light. And, you know, we always, we just talked about all the heavy, hard things, you know, Um, (laughs) but um you know, one ounce, one small minute amount of light is still light in darkness. And that just brings me peace because on a personal level, as well as I know for him, because if he was just like sitting at a desk, um, he's, he was never a fan of like, you know, sitting at a desk, mm-hmm. looking at the schoolwork and just accomplishing the task and being done with it. He's like, I need to to do something. So yes, he loves getting to, you know, um, do the trainings he does and work with the people he does, but he knows that he's doing something meaningful. And that 
means something to him. And I know that, right. you know, police officers can get a bad rap and there's, you know, bad people that do every job out there. But in my opinion, you know, he's one of the good ones and is wanting to truly be there for the right reasons. It's not about right power trip or taking people to jail. He's like, if I can provide growth in someone's life and help them on their way to that, you know, getting out of addiction, getting out of an abusive right. situation, um, if we can work towards that growth and that betterment, that's the biggest thing. So right. I think, I think well, that- and I, and I feel like you shouldn't be in this line of work if that's not your mindset, right? True. <laughs> yeah. You know, like you, know. you should not be a public servant if you don't want to serve the public. And I, mean, I think, I think a lot of people like the ones who do get bad raps, like I think they're literally just doing it for a paycheck and right. Yeah. Like they're not, they don't have the culture. Like you said, your husband and like, I know Wes, for example, like they go into it because they want to serve the public. Like they want to make their community better. Um, and I honestly, like I was going to say the same things as far as like, my favorite things about being a first responder wife is just knowing like just the pride that I have for my husband and like how proud I am of him for doing hard things and like putting his own life at risk for other people. And, um, and like seeing how proud of himself that he is, like he'll come home sometimes after like hard shifts and like, you know, like he'll like, for example, this last, this last shift, like he came home and last night we were talking and he was like, yeah, we, you know, captain said we saved this house and, um, we've been having a lot of wildfires out here lately. And I mean, it's, it's summer, <laughs> it's wildfire season. Yeah. Um, and I guess like it was about 90 acres or so. And like, there were houses that were being threatened and like, you know, you could tell that like after doing a hard job, like it's, it's nice for them to be like, Hey, I actually, I made a difference. Like I, yeah. I helped maybe somebody avoid having to lose all of their possessions or, you know, like whatever it may be. Um, but really just like the pride that I have for him and like knowing that what he's doing is bigger than us. Like it's, it's important work, which like you said, therefore means that our work is important as well like supporting Mm -hmm. them and the family um kind of gives like not that we don't have a purpose everybody has a purpose but it like (laughs) gives like a purpose you know like to this whole stay-at-home mom thing and it, it makes it like you said a little bit less of a sting with them being gone knowing that it's for a good cause really um oh for sure I mean like the the pride like you said it, it's not a word I guess I've like thought often about but I'm my husband had recently like gotten an award and he's all like I don't I didn't need the award that's not why I do anything I don't want to be there and I was like come on let's go which I think and, is how they all are right oh yeah because that's that's the truth that's not why they're there but the pride that I had standing next to him there's mm-hmm. nothing that at the end of the day makes me feel like more proud to be his wife and to be yeah. there behind him supporting him. And I, and I actually told him, and this is like, not to bring it back to me. Like it was his award, but I was like, you know, I don't get awards for what I do, but like, I'm holding it down here while you got an award. So sort of 
Like, yeah. <laughs> I maybe I can have like a super mom medal or something, <laughs> you know? A co award. Yeah. I know. Yeah. But yeah. Um, there's that's so yeah, funny. It's a good word for it. I need to, you know, remember that. And it's not, it's not being better than anybody else or anything like that. It's no. just yeah. literal joy at the thought that they're out there doing good things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, I just, I don't know. There's just something special about like my husband coming home in his uniform after like, you know, working hard. And I'm just like, you did all of that. Yes. For the public, but you also did it for us. Like, I'm proud of you for like working hard for your family and providing. And like, we are grateful for that. Um, yes. And it, it does kind of give you that perspective shift of like, yes, this is a hard lifestyle, but it's also rewarding at the same time. Um, and so, and, and I also, on the other side, um, like one of my favorite things about this lifestyle is when you do find somebody who understands, it's almost like an instant friend right? Like you instantly have something to connect and talk about. And, and that's not super common in other job fields. That's Um, true. Yeah. And so that's, that's kind of something that I found is, is unique and uh, kind of exciting. Like you find out somebody else is a firewife and it's just like, oh my gosh, really? (laughs) And like, you know, you kind of perk up a little bit and you're like, oh, tell me about it. Well, that Um, actually happened to me at church, like last year sometime I was walking the kids into childcare and um, I had finished dropping them off. My husband was at work and a mom that I didn't know, like a woman's walking by with her two kids. And I said, Oh, like my daughter loves frozen too. She'd totally have an Elsa dress on like your daughter. And in just like a millisecond, we started talking, started connecting. She's like, Oh, well, my husband's fire. He's at work. We're new to it. It's like been he like just he just got off probation recently and she was like we're new to the area and she literally in that little meet cute started tearing up to me and was like just somebody that gets it like your husband's at work my husband's at work I've been you know asking God to meet new people that just get this life and might get where I'm coming from and what I'm feeling and we're now friends she joined my mom group we you know her kids are younger than mine but we have that common ground to go off of. And we actually have in our group, another fire wife and another law enforcement wife. And it was just so meant to be. And when, and that was exactly why that connection formed so quickly. It was right. Your understanding. Yep, absolutely. And, and speaking of like new fire wives and like first responder wives in general, since you've been in this for quite some time, what are, what would be like the advice that you would give to wives that are just starting out in this lifestyle and maybe are just brand new to fire or law enforcement or whatever it may be? Like what, what would you give them as far as nuggets of uh, wisdom? Right. (laughs) Um, I would say hold space for them and have that good communication like we talked about about allowing them to process where they're coming from and what they're feeling and then have a lot of grace like for yourself and for them because you know when you get that phone call that they're going to be late and you were planning on being able to like you know the he's been gone since 
4.30 in the morning and it's now six o'clock at night and he's supposed to be home in 15 minutes and you've had a, you know, my kids like to wake up with the sun. So they've yep. been um, awake <laughs> since 5 a.m. or 5.30. You're expecting to come down and now they can't come home until 10 o'clock that night and they'll be leaving it again at 4 a.m. tomorrow. Right. Just have grace for the fact that you're going to feel let down and that it's not their choice. Like they'd be home if they could. It's just a requirement of it. And them knowing that you're okay, that's something that we've worked through in our marriage. Yeah. I used to have a really hard time when the kids were younger. Like, well, like, okay, you're working again. You have to work more. And he did get forced a lot at the old department because they were so short staffed, but right. Um, the second I kind of shifted my mindset to be more understanding and he knew I was better off and like, okay about it. He would say to me, you know, I'm really like glad that you're in that space because it makes it easier for me. So thank you. And those nuggets of appreciation for one another, I guess that would be a third thing. Just appreciate yeah. one another. like, tell them, thank you for doing what you do. Thank you for being a great friend, a great spouse. Um, yeah. And that's not to say we can't ask for improvements, but right. those three things are really going to put you on a path of kindness, love, and understanding for one another because you're going to go through hard things. And if you right. don't grow together through those things, you will find yourself in a place of, you know, constant arguing, um, we've been there. We've all been there. You know, you've right. been with somebody for half your life or, you know, a year, you're going to have arguments and that's okay. Just start off with a solid foundation and go from there. Well, and I love what you said about communication because I mean, it's cliche, right? Like communication is the most important I know. thing. <laughs> but <laughs> when I said it, I was like, yeah, <laughs> it's, but it's so true though. Like I've, I've noticed that if, you know, Wes and I aren't on the same page like if we don't communicate and tell each other like how we're feeling what's going on in our days like you know because he's he might be gone for three days straight right so like yeah he might miss what has happened you know at home while he's been gone and I might not know what he's going through at work because we've just been you know living our own lives separately yeah. and I feel like now we sort of over communicate and I feel like that's <laughs> that's a good thing though because we are always now like aligned on and that's not to say that we're perfect on that but like we really try to over communicate and like for example today on shift he asked me hey can I go over to this the place next to the station and get a coffee and I'm like yeah I checked the budget you're good like you know, like it's, it's little things like that, yeah. like where we're constantly checking in with each other. So like, I'm a part of his world still, and he's a part of mine and we oh, yeah. feel a lot more connected. Cause like, I'm like, Oh yeah, he went and got coffee today. Like, you know, yeah. it's, it's the little things like that, that I, I definitely notice have made a huge difference for us in our marriage. Um, but yeah, it's, yeah, I, I totally agree with all of what you said, and especially the grace, because Lord knows we can be hard on ourselves and them. Oh my gosh. So, You've had far too many of those times where you look back and you're like, gosh darn, we love each other so much. This right. shouldn't, 
as hard as it is, how can we like get off of this hamster wheel and find that common ground? Because really, we're both saying the same thing. We just want to feel seen Mm -hmm. and heard and validated and loved and supported. (laughs) So let's try to get (laughs) Yeah. I know. Absolutely. Oh, well, I am so glad that we did this. I feel like we covered all of the things. Um, But before we go, there's gonna be two questions that I ask everybody who comes on here. So the first one is, what is something that you are loving right now? And it can be literally anything. Okay. (laughs) It's gonna be so random. Um, I love it. best ones. (laughs) I'm like not an ambassador for this brand. So I'm going to say that ahead of time, but the tart maracuja, however you say that word, juicy lip, like lip gloss stick, lip hydrator thing. Like when you are a mom with, it's so random. I told you with one hand and you want a little bit of moisturizing on those lips, you know, midday you're driving down the freeway. You want to feel cute. Um, but you don't want too much color, but you want like a little bit of a lip treatment. These things, I got one in like um one of those little like lip subscript or like beauty subscription boxes randomly. Oh, right. Yeah. And I have been obsessed ever since. I know it's weird. I ordered two more the other day because I literally <laughs> made myself finish the ones I had and they're not cheap, but and right. I told you, it's random, but like I keep them in my purse and they are the like ultimate lip product for me. And I'm not like makeup obsessed, but I am hydrated lips um, obsessed. Whatever (laughs) brings you joy, right? I know. And especially in this lifestyle. Yes. Yes. And that's the thing. It's my little me thing, my little me moment. And they last a long time. So get yourself one of those. I don't get any royalties. That's so funny. Well, and that kind of leads us into the whole me time. Like, Question number two, what is one way that you're implementing rest into your daily routine? Okay. So one of the um, ways I heard like rest described in the motherhood lifestyle, uh, after like being in it for like a couple years, I had heard somebody describe the pace of the day as breathe in, breathe out. And I try to follow that for myself. Being somebody who gets so overstimulated so quickly has to make it 14, 15 hours at a time for him to say hi for 30 minutes to an hour, maybe. And like you, like two, four, six days in a row, whatever it might be. Um, I try to start my day with a breathe in of like a little, like make a coffee and sit on the couch while and kind of plan the day out, go over like a devotional or something. Right. And let the kids kind of just play in the background, kick them outside if it's nice weather, you know, Um, Right. and breathe in and then breathe out, go do an activity. And then midday every day, I call it our siesta time. Like I kind of take it from like the whole like European, I think it's like Spain that does it right. Yes. Um, I, okay. First of all, segue. (laughs) I love the idea that they do that. So my grandparents had a house in Spain and as a kid, we were visited and I just remember being in awe that like the whole town shuts down in the middle of the day. Like everybody's home taking a nap. And I was like, why is this not a thing? Why don't yeah. we do this here? Yeah. <laughs> and genius. Go ahead. No, I'm just saying it's genius. Like it is. Oh, it's, yeah. It's well, so smart. So I might not like sleep, but like fun fact, I actually in motherhood for some reason have learned to nap. I never could take a nap 
before becoming a mom. And occasionally I totally will pass out and I'm like, what happened? But so we take that like calm time in the middle of the day. And some days we don't have it. Like we had Legoland passes or if we're doing like a full family day thing, we might not have, you know, that time smack in the middle of the day, but just kind of focusing on some like midpoint in the day to reset and breathe back in again. And then we'll kind of go out and about maybe do ballet for my daughter or soccer for my son or, you know, make dinner and do some chores, whatever it might be. Yeah. We then have that reset to do that. And me personally, I have my reset. Like, don't talk to me. It's from like one to two-ish in the afternoon on like a basic day. Just, just leave me alone. And then in in the evening, I do the same thing. So I, I just am not that person that can run all day and not. Honestly, I don't feel like anybody can. Let's be, let's be honest for a second here. Like (laughs) I think that everybody as a basic human needs, needs rest. Like you cannot go, 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 go all of the time. Like it is not sustainable and it's not healthy, but we as a society, have like drilled it into our heads that like we need to do more, be more, like uh-huh. go, 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 go all the time. And so rest has sort of flown out the window in our culture. Absolutely. And, we have all and, of the issues that we have culturally. <laughs> yeah. No, I love that you are implementing that. And honestly, I need to do more of that. That <laughs> girl, I'm, you're you're speaking my language right now. It's amazing. It's just I really get to check in with myself, you know, like yes. how have I so far today emotionally um what do i still kind of want to accomplish for the rest of the day and like i said it's not perfect it's not i might not get that much but it was one of those things that i found early on and especially once my children stopped napping that was mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, nobody talks about that but they have like more energy ever and um i was that mom that when they were napping from the get go i was like I'm sitting on the couch and I'm watching a show because no one needs me right now. And it's always yep. been great. So I suggest that to all people find a point in the day. There's always time to make time for yourself yep. and do that. That is my restfulness. Oh, I love that. I love it. And I need to start, like I said, I need to start doing more of that myself throughout the middle of the day. I think that's genius. It feels uh, so good. <laughs> yeah. It's like the refresh button. Like, you know, it's- just... Let's get back to square one. Um, I love that. Well, thank you so much for hanging out with me today. I had so much. We're going to have to do this again. because I know. It was totally fun. This was so much fun. It was. Thank you. Yeah. So if any of these listeners want to connect with fellow firefighter and, you know, all the first responder wives and whatever, um, is there anywhere that they can find you on social media? Yes, I am on Instagram. I have a private account, but if you just like message me and say, hey, heard the podcast, I'll totally accept you. And I'm happy to um, be, you know, somebody you can talk to that will listen. Um, it's at Amandner on Instagram. So it's like my name, A-M-A-N-D-N-E-R. All right. I love that. Well, thank you again. And we will talk to you later. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thanks. Bye. Bye.
Hey mamas, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. We had so much fun. Um, if you want to find Amanda, like she said, go ahead and message her on Instagram and let her know that you heard about her here. And I can't wait to hang out with y'all next week. Bye.